morning, everyone. Man, welcome to Sunday number one of decade number two. I believe God is just getting started at Journey, amen? And listen, if you want a sign that Jesus and his Holy Spirit are still alive and working, look at Journey um, and look at the guy leading it because only Jesus could make this happen with this guy leading our church. Like Balaam's donkey looked at me and thought, if God can use that guy, why can't I talk? And opened his mouth and told Balaam, an angel is going to kill you. Like God has been so very good to us. I can't think of a better way to start our second day of ministry than just by studying God's word together. So if you have your Bible, Matthew 25 is where we're going to hang out today. Grab your bulletin, take out your notes so you can follow along or maybe fire up your journey app for those of you watching online and celebrating with us today. Good morning and thank you for hanging with us. We're we're calling September Vision Month at Journey. And this specific Sunday, here's what I want you to know. Today is not a vision for our next 10 years. Let me say it again. Today is not a vision for our next 10 years. Today is a vision for your tomorrow. Today is a vision for your tomorrow. Today is about you and your walk with Jesus. And looking back on this day, 10 years from now, and saying, what did I choose then that has shaped the last decade of my life? The premise of this month is this. We want to remind ourselves who we've been called to be in Jesus and what we've been called to do by Jesus. Who are we supposed to be in Jesus? What are we supposed to do as followers of Jesus? Today is going to be a fun message in this little four-week series. Here's our first goal, to get a vision of what could be in our life spiritually. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, let me give you a glimpse of what could be the greatest moment of your spiritual existence. One day when you find yourself standing before Jesus and he utters these words to you, good job. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, this is what we have to look forward to if we have lived our life with extreme purpose and extreme intentionality and extreme impact. I would ask you this week, if you were to talk to Jesus about just this past week, would he say, good job spiritually, good job in your marriage, good job as a parent, good job in your ministry to your community in the world, good job in your prayer life. Good job in your Bible reading. Like we've got a savior evaluating our life. And what could be is this, that one day if we live with extreme intention, we could get before Jesus and he could say, great job. You were so faithful with a few things in your life. Pursuing this moment for my future changes every moment of my present. Let me say it again. Pursuing this moment, having Jesus look at me and say, good job. Pursuing this moment in my future changes every moment of my present, which allows us, goal number two, to live our lives on mission with extreme purpose and with extreme impact. Just a little later in Matthew 25, we won't get to it today. We'll be there probably next year at some point. Jesus is talking about how he welcomes those to his kingdom in the end. And he said, the king's going to say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. God says, I am doing something in the world and I've been doing it since the very beginning. And I want you to be a part of it so you can be with me. Think about that. God says, since the very beginning of time, I've been doing something and I've always wanted you to be a part of it. And I've always wanted you to be with me. So come and be with me because from the beginning of the world, I've been planning to be with you. I want you to live with extreme purpose and impact as you press into Jesus. Before we pray today, we always pray before we get into the scripture. I do want to say again, today is day one 
of our 21 days of prayer. As you leave today, this book will be available at all of our exits. Make sure you grab this. This is our prayer journal for our 21 days of prayer that begins tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Whether you're joining us online, whether you're doing it on your own, on, our, on your own, whether you're going to come tomorrow morning, I want you to have this prayer guide. But we're going to begin our 21 days of prayer today with gratitude. Gratitude for who Jesus is, gratitude for what Jesus is doing, gratitude for the fact that Jesus has invited us into this kingdom that he's been preparing since the beginning of the world. We're not going to thank Jesus today for journey. We're glad journey's here. We're glad for all God is doing through journey, but without Jesus, journey's nothing. So we're going to thank God for Jesus. Amen. So as we start this 21 days of prayer, would you bow your heads with me? Take a deep breath and we're just going to spend the next couple minutes in some private prayer between you and the God of heaven. Because today is a day of gratitude for all that Jesus has been doing. Will you specifically thank God right now for Jesus in your life? Whatever aspect in your life that Jesus has brought you, maybe his forgiveness, maybe his love, maybe his grace, maybe his presence, maybe your marriage, your kids, some healing. Would you spend a moment right now just thanking God for who Jesus is to you? Would you thank Jesus for his mission, his church, which he began 2,000 years ago, that somehow has reached you thousands and thousands of miles from where it began in, in a different language than it began in? His mission has reached you. Would you thank God for his church and what it's done in your life? Would you thank Jesus for his Holy Spirit? He said in John 16, he would send him to help us in our walk. His Holy Spirit is the one that gives us emotional strength and whispers in our heart and our head every day how we follow Jesus. Would you thank God that his Holy Spirit lives inside of you and communicates to you every day? Would you ask God to help you be sensitive to his Holy Spirit? And finally, would you thank Jesus for his invitation to be a part of his mission? Because his mission continues as you engage. So thank, thank Jesus that regardless of who you were and how strong you think you are spiritually, that he would want you to be on his team. Jesus, I cannot think of a better way to start a second decade of ministry than by 21 straight days of prayer. And on today, we thank you for Jesus and who he is. We thank you for his mission and how it's impacted us. We thank you for his Holy Spirit that walks with us. And we thank you for his invitation to be a part of his kingdom that he's been preparing for us so he can be with us since the beginning of the world. As we learn today, Lord, inspire our hearts to live for a moment of time when we will stand before you and you will say, good job, you've been faithful. Let us start that journey today. We ask it in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. amen. Matthew 25, we're going to start in verse 14 and read a little bit through verse 30. If you don't have a Bible, no big deal. Everything I read will be on the screen beside me. It says, again, it, it, if you want to circle it, is the kingdom of God. Someone asked Jesus, what's the kingdom of God like? So he's explaining the kingdom of God to his followers. Again, the kingdom of God, verse 14, is going to be like a man going on a journey. 
no pun intended, pretty good word for this day at this church, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who'd received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the one who'd received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who'd received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man who had two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who'd received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When I read this passage at the age of 30, it changed the direction of my life. I spend about 10 minutes with Pastor Ryan on the Activate podcast this week talking about some of the key changes that I began to make in my life. But here is the headline. I decided I was going to live the rest of my life for one moment in time. I decided that I was going to try to live every moment of every day for one moment of time in my future when I would stand before Jesus so I could hear him say the word, well done good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I didn't think I could be faithful with everything, but I said, there's going to be a few things that for the rest of my life, I'm going to win in spiritually. My personal walk with Jesus, there's not going to be a week that goes by where I don't think one day I might stand before Jesus and he's going to evaluate it. My marriage and my kids, my work with my family, there's not a week that goes by that I don't believe I'm accountable and going to be evaluated for my time in my marriage, my time with my kids, living in spiritual community. At the time, I had no spiritual community because I was so busy doing everything else in life. And I said, I'm going to commit to having friends and being a good friend. And honestly, at 43, I have some great friends. I'm still learning to be a great friend because life sometimes is so busy. But that is important to me. And I want to be able to stand before Jesus one day and said, I leaned into spiritual community. And then I wanted to use my ministry gifts, which I believe are preaching and teaching and leadership to serve the kingdom of God. So we launched what ended up becoming Journey Church International 10 years ago. At 30, I read this passage and I thought, if this is true, then every moment of every day for the rest of my life needs to be lived through one lens. Will Jesus, when I get done with it, say, good job. That was being faithful. Again, if you talk to Jesus at the end of tonight, say today were your last day. One of our team members, Hannon Sanderson, found out this morning that one of his 22-year-old friends who stood with him in his wedding about a year ago in two weeks died of COVID in a hospital in Texas. He's with Jesus now, 22 years old. If you are with Jesus before you go to bed tonight and he's just evaluating 2021 is the evaluation, good job. Or are you distracted in your life and not living with purpose and impact spiritually? The goal of today is to call you back. Today's not a journey message. Today's a you message. 
The goal of today is to get you ready one day to stand before Jesus because he's going to evaluate your life. And I want you to know what could be. What could be is this statement, good job. Good job, you've been faithful. See, the last 10 years I've been living in this what I call decade of decision, deciding to live every moment of my life so that one day Jesus will tell me, good job for the way that I lived my life. And as we walk through what that looks like, after living out this decision for a decade, leveraging my entire life to please Jesus and live in his kingdom, I can tell you two things about it. Number one, it is the greatest journey. It is absolutely the greatest journey that you could ever take. Jesus actually described this as a journey. In Matthew 25, 14, again, it'll be like a man who went on a journey. Life is a long time filled with lots of different things. The journey is a pretty good description for how you will live life. How is your journey going? Because here's what we're going to learn. Your position on the journey is going to determine your purpose in life. You say, what do you mean by that? Who do you believe you are serving? Who is your master? So when I was growing up, there was a TV show on that kind of solidified Tony Danza's place as a star, and his daughter, Alyssa Milano, became a young star. Any of you remember the show? He was a housekeeper for like a, a, a lady executive in some business. It was called Who's the, Who's the Boss? Who's your boss? Based on last week spiritually, who are you working for? Based on this year spiritually, who is the boss? Because this message supposes, presupposes that you are working for something, for someone, that you are a servant of something. Jesus will say in Matthew 25, again, it's going to be like a man going on a journey who called his servant and entrusted his wealth to them. See, I don't know if you realize this, but here's the reality of your spiritual journey. You are God's servant and everything you have is his. And until that is your position in life, your purpose will not be fulfilled. Your kids, they're his kids. Your house, it's his house. All the money you have, it's his money. Your gifts and talents and skills and ability, those are all his. Until you say, God is master, I'm a servant, and everything I have is his, which means he's just asked me to take care of it and use it for his kingdom. Until you know your position, you won't know your purpose. So today is a, is a message about purpose, but maybe for you it's a message about position because you serve something else, someone else, for something else, and you say, no, 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 everything I have is mine. Then you are the boss, and you're serving yourself, and you're serving your kingdom. See, when we see God as master and us as servants and everything we have is his, the question is, what do you want me to do with what is yours? Your position on the journey is going to be determined by your purpose in life. And it's really easy to answer this question in our reflection questions this week. On Wednesday for the reflection questions, the, the, the verse is this verse. And the question is, do you consider yourself a servant of Jesus? If so, how are you serving him? Would he consider you a servant in his kingdom based on the last month of your life? Pretty easy questions to answer. Look back at the last 31 days. How are you serving Jesus using what he's given you for his kingdom? Pretty simple question. All of us are servants of someone or something. This sermon presupposes we see everything in life as God's. We see him as master and we are servants and we are leaning into his kingdom. And his kingdom and his mission are pretty easy because they've got like three main elements that are all really exciting to live. The mission of Jesus' followers is basically three things. Love Jesus, serve others, reach the lost. Jesus gave in scripture what we know as the great commandment, the great compassion, and the great commission. Jesus said, if you are my followers, if I am your master and you are my servant, here's what I want to be really, really important to you. I want you to love Jesus. I want you to serve others. And I want you to reach people who don't know me yet. That is your mission in life. Love Jesus. It's the greatest commandment. 
Jesus had someone ask him, what's the most important thing to know? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. This is the very first and the greatest commandment. Listen, love Jesus before all others because he is the only one worth loving well and he is the only one that returns true love. My little daughter, Casey, because everything now is a throwback, right? Like the, the, the kids of today want to live in the late 80s and the early 90s. I don't know if it's Stranger Things fault or if we were just that much cooler than them, but they're coming back. Like they're coming back to who we are. So she for youth camp this year came home with a camera, a disposable little like Kodak camera. She's like, dad, do you know what this is? I do know what that is, Casey. It's a camera. Casey, why do you have a camera? Because it's like a trendy thing to do, like to get like old stuff. So I'm going to take pictures of camp and then you take them to a store and they make pictures for you. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. That's, that's, that's how we did it. So she took her camera to camp. She got her pictures developed after camp. And there's a picture of Casey and Danielle and I at the youth camp luau hanging on the fridge. And it's the greatest picture that we've taken in 20 years because it was taken with an old camera. And there's no filters, there's no flaw, there's no high resolution. Danielle and I both look 10 years younger. Our teeth look perfect. And it's like, why can't we go back to a day without people seeing everything so clearly? Like, I look better from afar than I do up close. Amen? Like, like anybody else with me? Like, we're, we're living in a world today that only wants to see you with your filter And they will only be your follower with your filter, which means anything less than the perfect you is not good enough for them. We live in a world where we all have tons of friends, but they're only friends of the filtered us. And we're scared to death that if anyone ever removed the filter, they might not love the real us. Jesus, your entire life has seen you without a filter. And man, he loves every part of you. He loves your heart. He loves your life. He loves even the things in your past that he can forgive and use so that you can serve others. Love Jesus because he's the only one worth loving well. He sees you and loves you through the filter as his followers. So love Jesus. Serve others. Serve others. If we were to summarize Matthew chapter 25, the great compassion, it basically is this, like see and help hurting people. The word compassion Really interesting word. Serve others. It's the greatest compassion. The word compassion in Scripture meant this. Feel the same thing. Here's a picture of the word compassion. You drive by a car accident, and as you drive past it, you get a pit in your, you get a, a feeling in the pit of your stomach. That's the biblical word for compassion. You're, at, you're like at the city pool when you see someone go off like the 10 meter, the 30 foot high, and your stomach starts to hurt. That's the word for compassion. At that moment, you're feeling what they feel. I would, I would say this, though. The only way that the compassion in you is great is if you've taken everything you felt, given it to Jesus, and you know how Jesus feels, and you now, when you feel what someone else is feeling, you tell them, hey, go give that to Jesus, because when I felt that, I gave it to Jesus. Then like he, he changed everything. We serve others by pointing everyone to Jesus. And then, of course, we reach the lost. It's the greatest commission. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Like the last thing he said, go make sure you tell everyone about me. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'll be with you always. Teach them to obey me, and I'll be with you always to the end of the age. Here was Jesus' commission. Teach everyone about Jesus. Listen, don't, don't miss this while you're writing something down. Teach everyone about Jesus and just start with people close to you. That's the greatest commission. Hey, you're a follower of Jesus, so just teach everyone about Jesus and just start with people who are close to you. This is the mission of Jesus. It's pretty simple. Love Jesus, serve others, reach the lost, 
It is the mission of every follower of Jesus. It is the greatest journey. And listen, I do this as a pastor because of my gifting and calling, but not because I'm a pastor. I do this because I'm a Christian. This is not the calling of pastors. The only reason I do this as a pastor is because the spiritual gifts God gave me are preaching and teaching and leadership, and I can use those to serve you in your spiritual journey. But God calls every one of you to do this. The businessmen and businesswomen in our church, this is your mission. For those of us who have kids in our church, this is the mission of every parent. This is the mission of every teacher and coach in our city who calls himself a follower of Jesus. Every homeschool parent should be doing this. This is your mission if you're a follower of Jesus. Every grandparent is called to do this, to help their grandkids know who Jesus is. It's the mission of every Christian, every blue-collar worker and those tech executives who work from home. This is our mission. Every office worker and every restaurant server, every student and every athlete, anyone who says, I am a follower of Jesus, is following this mission. Love Jesus, serve others, reach the lost. I'll tell you this, if every Christian actually did this in our community, our community would be a better place to live. But don't say amen if you haven't done it this week because you're saying someone else needs to do it. You need to do this. You need to do this. One day when you stand before God, he's not going to say, how were Christian sermons? He might say that. He already knows that they're probably not as good as they could be. He's going to say, how did you do loving Jesus, serving others, reaching the lost? You get to be accountable for you. I get to be accountable for me. So how's it going living on mission for Jesus? It's, it is the mission that every one of us is called to as followers. And I can tell you after a decade of living in it, it is not easy, but it is the greatest journey that any of us could travel on in life. And it also, number two, has the greatest impact. It is the greatest journey with the greatest impact. Just doing what Jesus has invited us to do. If you share your life with Jesus for his mission, it will have the greatest impact, but not everyone in today's narrative was willing to do that, to believe that Jesus is the master, we are the servants, and everything we have been given, we've been given to use for his kingdom. So we meet a, a, a one bag boy, Matthew twenty-five eighteen. The man who had received just one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. Now, we learn a lot about him, and for some of us, we learn about a lot about us when we realize how much this one bag of gold was worth. So in older translations of Scripture, the bags are called talents. But a talent sounds like a coin, probably a bag of money is better. This bag of gold was equal to 20 years of wages. And in the Roman Empire, the average life expectancy was 21 to 30 because one out of every three babies died before the age of one. If you pull out anyone who made it to the age of one, the average life expectancy in the Roman Empire was 33 to 40, which means five bags of gold. I got 100 years worth of money. I don't need that much. Like that's five lifetimes for me. If I get it at 20, that's five lifetimes. Of course, I will share that making a difference for G. Two bags of gold? I get two bags of gold at 20 and I'm only going to live till 40. I could give half of what I have away to live for someone. But one bag of, I get one bag of gold at 20 and it'll give me 20 years of life and I only got 20 more years of life. I got to decide then who I'm living for because this will really help me. But if I give it away, I might have to work a little harder and the one bag boy decided to live for himself. Look at somebody next to you and say, don't be a one bag boy. Listen, don't be a one bag boy. Don't be a one-bag boy living for yourself. 
The one bag boy said, I'm not going to take what you've given me and use it on you because I, I may need it later. You may, you may need it later. I just, I don't want to use it all up. So the master says to the one bag boy, at least you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I've received it back with interest. Everybody say interest. Here's a really good kingdom question for you. Do you live your life to serve your interests or for God's interests? And let's get out of the world of theory and let's just say in the last month, do you live your life for your interest or for God's interests? What does that look like on the first day of every week when for 2,000 years followers of Jesus wake up and they gather together because on the first day of the week 2,000 years ago somebody rose from the dead and if they can get out of the grave, we can get out of bed and come celebrate God together. What's that look like for you the last six or eight weeks? What's it look like for you serving one another? What's it look like for you when money passes through your hands? What's it look like for you when you pray for the chaos happening around the world? What's it look like for you when you spend time in the Word so you might know more intimately who Jesus is so that you might look more like him? Are you serving your interest on a daily basis or are you serving God's interest on a daily basis? God said, my gosh, at least put the money in the bank and let me gather some interest. Let something in your life have value for the kingdom. What in your life has value for the kingdom? You know what I believe about these three men? Watch this. I believe the first man would have put one bag of gold to work. And I believe the last man would have buried five bags of gold. Just in case he might need them later. It's a mindset. It's not how much you have. It's how much you're willing to invest in the interest of the kingdom. I ain't talking about finance. I'm talking about time, talent, treasure, using my life for my master's kingdom. Don't be a one-bag boy. Say, well, if God would have given me five bags. No, no, no. One-bag boy would have buried five bags in the ground. Five-bag boy would have made one more bag of gold because he would have put what his master gave him at work in his master's kingdom. It's a mindset. Who are you living for? I think some other key kingdom questions that are really good questions are these. How are you serving the king and the kingdom? If you're trying to figure out, do I live for my interest or God's? Well, how are you serving the king and the kingdom? Are you serving the king and the kingdom? Are you willing to serve the king and the kingdom? If the answers to one and two are, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I hope the last one is yes. And then you fill out a card, you drop it in a box, you talk to someone at the end of the service, you go to growth track and you say, I am willing to serve the king and the kingdom. I don't even know how to do that at this church, but I certainly am willing. What do I do? If the answer to how are you serving the king and the kingdom, how'd you serve the king and the kingdom the last 90 days? You're like, didn't really do that. Um, are you serving the king and the kingdom? I guess I'm not. Are you willing? Yes, I want to. Then don't wait another day. Don't wait another month. Don't wait another year. Put your life in a place where it grows interest for the kingdom. Now, this next slide, I don't know if you agree with it, but I believe Jesus' words for those who don't use their lives to benefit his kingdom were direct. They were harsh to me. I'll read them to you in a minute. They were shocking. If you don't agree with that, at the very least, they are attention-getting. Because listen to what Jesus said to people who will receive from the master without using it for his kingdom. Jesus' words, not mine, but they're pretty clear. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown. I gather where I've not scattered seed. Take the bag of gold from him. Give it to the one who has 10 bags and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I just want to present the two scenarios to you that Jesus had. 
Okay, this is not from me to you. This is not from journey to you. This is from Jesus to his followers. Let me present the two scenarios. Everyone in Jesus' kingdom receives from Jesus for the kingdom. Some will live their life in such a way that Jesus will one day say to them, well done, well done, you've been faithful. Well done, you've been faithful. Others will be called worthless, wicked, and lazy. Which group do you want to be in? Not my story, Jesus' story. Jesus said, I'm giving the world the ability to live for my kingdom, to live for my interest, and some are all in. Well done. And some right now are a little wicked, lazy, worthless. He said, Christian, those are harsh words, not my words. I'm just, I'm just reading the Bible to you. When you look at your life the last month, the last year, well done, lazy and worthless. It's been kind of hard in a COVID year to be well done if you live for your interests first. But when you put Jesus and his kingdom at the front of everything, there, there's a lot of room for well done. See, Jesus is looking to invest in people who will invest in the kingdom. At least that's what he said. I want to invest in people who are going to invest in the kingdom. Matthew 25, 29, whoever has is going to be given more. He's investing in the kingdom, give him more. She's investing in the kingdom, give her more. They're investing in the kingdom, give them more. They can be trusted to take and pass on, give them more, give them more, give them more, give them more. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. Let me tell you what that does not mean. That does not mean your salvation will be taken from you. Can't mean that. That's not good Bible doctrine. You say, what does it mean then? Not sure. I'd rather not experience it. Let, like, 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 let's just not live in that space and then we won't have to worry about what it means that God gives you an opportunity to serve him. You don't, and then one day you lose, the, you lose the opportunity to serve God. Let's just live in the first crowd so we don't have to have that second conversation. I take everything God has given me. He's his master. I'm his servant, and I leverage it for his kingdom, and then I receive more so that I can leverage it for his kingdom. And then I receive more so I can leverage it for his kingdom. And then I receive more so I can leverage it for his kingdom. You all understand how that works, right? Are you living for your interests or the things that interest God, the things that are very, very close to the heart of God? See, we've been doing ministry at Journey for 10 years trying to live for God's interest. And you heard Pastor Mike already go over these 10 years of ministry at Journey. 691 people who've been baptized and shared their story. The math that I love in that is our church has been a church for 520 weeks. We've baptized 691 people, which means for every week that we've been a church, somebody has shared their testimony with the world and said, I want to follow Jesus. That's, that's always a pretty good week, 10 years in a row. Amen. 4,000 people have acknowledged making spiritual decisions. Say, so what exactly does that mean? Not totally sure. You say, I doubt any of them are real. I doubt that you're not a jerk. Like, that, like that's really not your decision to make. It might be 2,000 people who all needed to make a recommitment after getting saved. It might be 500 people who've made six. I don't know what it is. I just know people have told us, I made a decision today to follow Jesus, and I don't count and think, mm, I don't think she's serious. I don't think he's... Like, I just... We just celebrate what it appears God is doing. And then we let God be God. Is that okay? We let God be God. 334 of our people served on the global, on global missions trip, and that's after taking a year and a half off for COVID. 10,000 hours of community service in our local community the last 10 years. That is good as a big number. It needs to get better as a yearly number because that's only 1,000 hours a year, and we can do better. 
Almost 2.5 million invested in global and local outreach and church planning. They've told me if the trends continued by 10 years, we give away 2.5. At 20 years, we will have given away 10 million. I like that number. I like taking what you have given and letting it pass right through our hands to the things that interest God. Amen? That will only happen at Journey if it happens to you first. If the money that comes to your hand passes through your hand, the money that comes to our church can pass through our church. That's just, that's just how it works. We're all in it together. Four new churches help launch. Denver, Kansas City, um, Atlanta, one in Lenexa. And we've got so much more to do as a church. This is what God has been doing. But here's the bottom line of 10 years at Journey. It's all about Jesus. It's not about Journey. It's never about Journey. Like it's fun to celebrate what God has done, but only if we give all the credit to Jesus. And listen, it's fun to celebrate what God is doing at church. But watch this. It's more important to celebrate what God is doing in you. Let me say it again. It's fun to celebrate what God is doing at church but it's more important to celebrate what God is doing in you because when we stand before Jesus, he's not going to say, well done, you went to a great church. He's going to say, based on your personal spiritual life, well done or worthless and lazy. His words, not mine, but you got to study that text and see that they're there. When Jesus' disciples came back after their first kind of missionary journey and were like, so many people got saved and baptized and all this stuff, Jesus is like, that's great, it's great, and we certainly celebrate it. But don't rejoice that the spirits are submitting to you. Instead, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Ultimately, it's all about your story with Jesus. Hey, I'm glad great ministry is being done, but ultimately it's about your story with Jesus because you can sit in our church for 10 years and you can clap every time something good happens spiritually and nothing can be happening spiritually in you. And for us, that's a fail. Because one day you stand before Jesus and Jesus isn't going to say, you went to a great church. He's going to say, based on the condition of your faith, well done, well done, or worthless and lazy. Say, Christian, what's been the biggest impact in your life the last 10 years? Living for the kingdom and having more of the kingdom live in me. See, that's what I have found happens. When you choose to live your life investing in the kingdom. God invests so much of his kingdom in you that it changes you. And you're glad that your city has changed, but you're more glad that your life has changed. Amen. And what we want is a church filled with people whose lives have changed. We had our first ever meeting on January 10th of 2011, nine months before we would launch our church on September 18th, 15 adults, four children, and one in embryo that we counted because we believe life begins at conception. And we, 20 sounded more than 19. So we're like, she's pregnant, 20. Um, it was Amy Zerby who was singing over here today. I count her Ambroden. He's real. And now he's a part of our church. There's nearly eight inches of snow that night. We thought we were going to have to cancel like our first gathering ever. And everyone showed up. Because when people are all in, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't even matter if it's snowing. Doesn't matter if the Chiefs are playing. Doesn't matter if there's a soccer game. Like when you're, you figure out a way to show up when you're all in. And everybody showed up. And I kind of cast the vision for the church we wanted to have and who we wanted to be. And at the end, I said, if our church is successful one day, here's how people in the community will describe it. And I went to the very last verse in the book, in the book of Ezekiel because Ezekiel talked about the messianic kingdom of God when God ruled the world and everyone knew it. And Ezekiel said, one day there will be a time in life when people look around at what God is doing and they will say this, the Lord's there. 
And on January 10th, 2011, I sat in my living room with 15 people. Briley was sleeping upstairs in, in a pack and play. Um, the kids were playing. Our kids' ministry was the we. We were like, just <laughs> don't get hurt and like have, like have a blast. So kids' ministry was we. Nursery was my master bedroom. We're sitting in the living room. And I said, guys, I have no idea what God's going to do, but I know this. If it works, if it works, the only reason it will work is because God showed up. And 10 years in, more than ever, here's what I believe. If we get to year 20, it will only be because God is here. And the only thing I want people in our community to know about Journey as they drive by it is that's where the Lord is. That's where you can meet Jesus. That's where people are getting healed. That's where marriages are making it. That's where addicts are being restored. That's where hope is. The Lord is there. It will only happen in our church if it is true of your heart. Is the Lord there? At 30, I read this chapter and it turned my life upside down. I was done living for anything but the moment I stood before Jesus because I wanted to hear more than anything. Good job. You were faithful with a few things. Nobody can do everything. You won't be perfect. But in a few areas, your walk with me, your family, spiritual community, and using your life for my kingdom, good job. I challenge you over the next decade, be a faithful servant in those areas and watch what God does in you, through you, for his kingdom. Would you pray with me as we consider those things today? Father, thank you for inviting us on the greatest journey for the greatest impact that we could have in life. With heads bowed and eyes closed, will you choose to be a part of it? Will you live your life to love Jesus, serve others, and reach the lost? If you will, just tell Jesus, I will. I will. One day you're going to stand before him. He's going to speak to you, and it will be an evaluation. Well done. Or worthless and lazy. Let's Let's flip the script. If it's worthless and lazy, let's flip the script and change the conversation today. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, you need to understand the Lord is a journey. You can find him here. You can begin a relationship with the God of the universe. You can be forgiven. You can find healing. You can have a second chance. You can start over. You can find hope. You can have peace. All of those are found in Jesus. All you have to do is open up your heart to him. Let him have your past. Let him have your heart. Let him be the master of your future. If you've never done that, you need to know he loves you. He lived for you. He died on a cross so your sin could be forgiven and so you could be close to him and right with God. And if you've never started a relationship with Jesus, open your heart and do it today. Say, how do I do that? You just pray to the God of heaven and tell him you need him. If you need that this morning, right where you are in your seat, From your heart to heaven, you don't have to pray it out loud. Just pray something like this, Jesus, I need you. Just repeat after me, Jesus, I need you. Forgive my sin. Cleanse my past. Heal my hurt. Lead me in my future. Today I surrender my life to your leadership. I ask for your salvation. I commit to live for your interests. If you just prayed that prayer with me in just a second, Pastor Mike will be back up here. He'll tell you how you can let us know so we can celebrate with you as you begin your spiritual journey. If you're a Christian who is living in a season that is a little lazy and worthless, flip the script. What could be one day 
we can stand before Jesus and he could say, well done. In these few areas that are most important to me, you did well. Jesus, let that be the story of the journey of people so that when our city thinks about our church, they will say, the Lord is there. That's where God is moving. That's where Jesus is doing things. That's our desire. That's our prayer. That's our vision as we head towards the next 10 years. And we ask you, each and every one of us, individually, to accomplish that so together we can accomplish that. And Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.